Welcome to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who are made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have who? Tim is here. I am here. It is early in the morning. And this is Kendon. And I thought you liked early in the morning. I do. I'm just, it is early. It is early, and it's going to be a nice day. So that's, that's always a plus. I do want to start off by saying a very sad rest in peace to my friend Ella, who passed away yesterday. She had been battling cancer for a couple of years, for a year plus, I think around about a year. Um, yeah, she, you know, had been, the last time we talked over text message was a couple months ago. I had seen her, she had been posting on Instagram. She'd been in the hospital for a long time. So I was like, hey, checking in, how are you? How are the girls? You know, she was like, oh, I've been better, but you know, doing okay. And I just hadn't heard from her and I just hadn't seen her post anything. And I, I so same day I told my sister, I was like, hey, you remember I said about my friend? She was like, yeah. I said, I haven't heard from her or nothing. And then that, that same day, she it posted that the cancer was no longer responding to the treatment. And she was going to hospice. And that was like three weeks ago. Um, so yeah, she passed yesterday. So rest in peace to her. She was a beautiful soul. Fun to be around. We joked about everything from the Green Bay. She's a big Packers fan. From the Packers to movies to all kind of stuff so um but her her girls are going to be okay she has like a huge family in iowa and they love her kids and but it's just she's young she was in her early 30s like so much life ahead and then gets a diagnosis and then she's she's gone just it seemed like it happened very quickly what was her name again ella 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 E-L-L-A, yeah yeah, so, yeah. Mm, how old are her girls um, that's a, all my friends' kids, all their ages are around the same, so <laughs> they're all around the same age. Uh, so yeah, one seven, seven and ten or seven and nine could be wrong. Are they having to move to Iowa? I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine so. I imagine they're in Iowa with their family, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hard, yeah. yeah. Man, I hate cancer. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. One of the things that cor- like COVID and quarantine has made me really worry about is people who are passing from anything yeah, during just, this time because you can't have the closeness. You can't really properly mourn people. I was telling my friend, I ran to my friend yesterday on my walk. We were talking about it in, in general, just the other effects of COVID that I think people dismiss because people look at like death being like the barometer. Did you die or not? Is being this thing. And I'm like, there's so many other factors like are there any long-term effects? If we're people with health insurance, right? I still don't want to pay for being in a hospital for a month on a breathing tube. I don't want to, I don't want to pay for that. I don't want to, and there's people who don't have health insurance. I don't want people drowning in medical debt because they want to go bar hopping on a Saturday night when COVID's still running around. But also when you lose people in any capacity, the ability to not truly fully mourn them the way you would need to, or have access to the things you would need to help you get through and process, it's tough. Like trying to, trying to, when my other mom passed, like it helped to be able to be out. Like that same day she passed, I went and met with my friends at a restaurant for lunch and we sat and we just talked. And that was a huge boost for me emotionally, just to be around people I cared about. I couldn't imagine not having that kind of space now and losing someone close to me and then still being like, feeling isolated like that's nuts Mm -hmm. well and I'm I'm like a physical person and I just 
a hug. <laughs> like, um, I mean, funerals is one of the places where COVID was spreading a lot in the beginning, right? Because you yeah. hug people, you embrace people when you lose someone. And you're close and you're crying and it's all this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not a song, um, but no, I just want to give my recipe. Well, there's one other aspect though I'm curious about if it's okay. And that is, so that's post passing, but I mean, it, hopefully she was in has in hospice a lot at home because the other part is I can't think of anything sadder than ending you the end of your life alone yeah. without your loved ones surrounding you um so I, I'm hoping that that wasn't the case yeah. that- I don't I don't think so but I'm hoping it wasn't the case I don't think so I think that was probably the, the tough decision well, I, no one had really heard from her in a while. It's probably making those decisions. Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be at home with my family. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, our love goes out to Ella and her family. Yes, rest in peace. Um, anything else kind of going on this week that you guys want to mention during this check-in? Ready to go back to the 80s? I'm ready to go back. For what film did Dustin Hoffman win an Oscar for Best Actor? I can give you options if you need them. I mean, was it? No. Was it Rain Man? Yeah, was it Rain Man? It was Rain Man. Yeah. Good job, guys. Is that that where the whole joke, you never go full blank comes from? Yeah. From Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Of uh, him versus Sean Penn. Yeah. Oh, Sean Penn was there. I, I am Sam. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Name two of the four Seaver kids on Growing Pains. Jeez. I do not remember any of these kids' names. That's why I used to watch this show all the time. I don't remember any of the names. Not a show I watched. So. I I think I could have gotten one of them, maybe Mike. Yeah. Carol, Ben, and Chrissy. I think I could have gotten Chrissy if I thought really hard about it. Uh, With Kurt Cameron. Yep. The dad's a shrink. Uh, They live in a house. (laughs) What show was Michael J. Fox on? Family Ties. Oh, okay. What Australian band made a name for itself in the U.S. with a hit... You shook me all night long. ACDC? Yeah. Sorry. I, that wasn't the right sound. Yeah. It, but I realized what song <laughs> You shook me all night. That one. Yeah. It's just good that you said Australian. Australian? You said Australian, so that helped. Okay. What actor guest starred in an episode of How I Met Your Mother playing himself trying to convince people he's the real karate kid a la the 1984 film? Machiano jo- Joe? What's his first name? Ralph Machio? Ralph Correct. Machio. Yeah. <laughs> Machiano Joe. That sounds like a cup of coffee. Joe <laughs> that sounds like a terrible mobster name from Sopranos. Joe I was going to say, I want, I want that grande <laughs> with extra foam. <laughs> All right, last one. What portable music device was first introduced by Sony in the US as the Soundabout and in the UK as the Stowaway? The Walkman? Yep, that's correct. Mark that card done. Sound about. 
That's really silly. Walkman just is like clearly the, the correct name for it. Belt? Yeah. So literally, you're either on the move or you're not. You're just standing there. Yeah, it's weird. So weird. You can stand and uh, be about. It does no, both. stand about it's just like means stitch. hanging around. And by stitch, I meant twitch. Nope, switch. That's nuts. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Come back to the 20s. Let's get back right. to the news. You guys got any news? I got some news, but Ken, you want to go first? You have a singular news item. You can go first. Oh, I do have a singular news item. Um, so this actually ties in with my one, what have I been doing? So I'll just go. I finished the Sandman and I just happened to have had come through my, um, through my newsfeed that, uh, the new Sandman adaptation, which I learned about at the time, um, unless we mentioned it a couple of years ago, I guess it was announced in 2019. Anyways, they're adapting it on Netflix, which is clearly the only way that you could do this because this is a series like um story um it's going to be it's going to take place in modern day which just uh to explain why that's relevant is that in the the original comic series uh death is captured by these like uh how do you say, like occult people um like dark dark magic enthusiasts in uh, 1916 and that has immediate effects on humanity because he is sleep, right? So they've captured sleep, so everything gets knocked out of whack. There's people who are um, who fall asleep and do not wake up, at least until he comes back, and and vice versa. People who are um, who cannot fall asleep again. Um, and this ends in 1988 when he's he finally escapes from his capture, right? So Neil Gaiman, the guy who wrote it, is like, yeah, it's not like we're moving up the the time that he was captured into like the 30s or the 40s or something. It's just that the story is now going to be adjusted based off of the fact that he has been um, captured for an additional 30 years, right? So the world has gone through another 30 years of the effects of this. Um, so I find that really interesting. But um, I can talk a little more Sandman once I'm in. What have I been doing? Mr. Sandman, bring also, us a tree. Exactly. Boom, 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 boom. He referred. He said everything's on pause because of uh, because of coronavirus right now. So the production is is on pause, and he used the term the universal pause button, which I think is a pretty excellent way to ex- describe the situation. Is it exciting? Yeah. What do you think? I think it's exciting. I mean, One thing being is that now it's not going to be a period piece the way like the Watchmen movie was, which would have meant that it was it was like a, an 80s thing that we would like review. I think we should review it anyways whenever it does come out. But yeah. Yes. Just because Lily has heard me talk about nothing but Sandman for the last few weeks. Honestly, I'm a little bit sad that you finished it because I was like, I was enjoying the updates I was getting from you. Well, I need to do a little bit of, I'll talk about it and what you've been doing. Go ahead. Okay. Tim, what's your news? Um, we had a big event yesterday. We had DC Fandom that happened yesterday. Um, we were sure that they were going to do a lot of panels and have some trailers, and they did not disappoint. We had a last trailer for Wonder Woman, which finally shows off Cheetah in action. So Kristen Wiig in, uh, in action fighting Wonder Woman. How's it look? It looks cool. 
it looks cool. I'm uh, I'm interested in seeing what, what they're gonna do with the story. Um, we got a Suicide Squad character reveal, like who's all in the film, along with the behind the scenes look at the making of the film, and it looks bonkers. Um, that looks fun. And then we finally got our first look at the Batman. Matt Reeves is the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, Zoe Kravitz. So it looks gritty. What are your thoughts? I'm into it. Like, give me more. I want to see more of it. So I'm ready. I trust Matt Reeves as a director. Like, he's very talented. Kendon, do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I have a pretty specific thought. So I was watching it. I really liked essentially the whole trailer. It looks like they're attempting to get that Nolan feeling back that they lost um, for the last few Batman appearances, despite the fact that I liked um, not Matt Damon. Why am I literally... Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. I liked him as Batman. Like, he looked great. And I, I, I feel like uh, Robert Pratt- Pattinson looks kind of like a good... Bruce Wayne. I'm not saying he doesn't look like a good Batman. I'm just like, yeah, he seems kind of like a modern rich kid, right? But um, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt before I see the movie and see what type of actual like tone or backstory or like how long has he been Batman and all that sort of stuff. It's year two, apparently. Year two? Okay. Um, he beats the shit out of a guy. Mm-hmm in a way that bothered me it looked more i mean okay he's a vigilante so it's all criminal but i think one of the things that they used krav maga the uh israeli uh developed martial art in the dark knight series and that was all about very efficiently and quickly taking somebody down and disabling them and in this case he hits and hits and hits this guy like he's mad at him it, it almost reminds me actually of this whole um this is a slight tangent, but um, one of Lauren Hill's children came out recently and talked about um, basically the abuse that she got. Like it, it's it was basically spankings, but like whoopings, like the sort that were you you're probably familiar with too. Like go catch your switch, go and get your switch, sort of thing. And there's the concept, and my parents had talked about it too because I got spanked when I was young, um, of not doing it when you're angry right and when i watched this it looked more like i'm angry at you i'm like i'm going i'm I'm letting i mean i guess that's always been kind of batman's thing but part of what they've for a lot of the best batman movies or batman portrayals he's shown this restraint right i'm angry and i want to stop what you're doing not i'm angry and i want to take it out on you and so i'm thinking of just the efficiency of christian bale's like taking people apart and then you know and that bothered me so i, I want to get your opinions on that can i give i'll i'll start by saying it's literally what he says is i'm vengeance like in the trailer who are you i'm vengeance yeah but vengeance doesn't so, have to be that violent mm, yeah it doesn't but he is angry and that's what he's doing right i my guess is year two he's gonna develop into he's gonna do like be doing that shit and then like figure out how to not be doing that as he uh, like escalates but i don't know yeah hey, what's I'm, your thought I, I'm, I'm with shalia i mean for for all intents and purposes for all accounts matt reeves seems to be a fan of batman and is aware of the story and i think the behavior we're, we're going to see in this film is going to be indicative of a guy who's year two of batman 
So you're gonna see a lot of stuff that we haven't seen because we've seen a fully formed Batman in these other films. Well, it's okay. Let's, Except for let's Christian Bale, which we did see him develop. Yeah, I was gonna so say. So that means that there needed to be there, there's been some sort of arc because he was he wasn't mad at near one. The comic or Batman begins, both of those, he's he's much more controlled. He might still be idealistic. So I can accept, like I said, is the backstory, is the place that we're in that things have escalated and he's starting to lose himself, which well, he kind of does. And he kind of does that in the dark night once they're really going after people he cares about. Yeah. But, um, I, but I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a 11 second clip versus three films of, of Nolan Batman. So I'll wait and see what this film does. It's 11. I don't know if this is out of context. I don't know if there's more to that scene. I don't know what the reference is. I don't know if he's making a point. It's an 11 second clip. So I'm going to wait until I see this whole film and see how they frame this Batman and how they're telling this story. I agree with dreaming. you guys all. The, the, the thing is, is, I never, like I understood intellectually when people were like, the Man of Steel, that like, that's not Superman. That's not Superman, right? But this is the first time visually I was like, with a character that I really care about. But I was like, oh, whoa, that does not seem like, yeah, that does not seem do like that. Batman behavior. But, you know. We'll see. Um, I want to comment, though, on Robert Pattinson because wasn't sure he could do the Batman uh, in the suit. Can't tell who it is, so it doesn't really matter. He is not the Bruce Wayne that I expected just from the trailer. Like, he's not the clean cut. Uh, in that scene. In, yeah. the, in the faces that I, I mean, in, in any of the scenes that they show him as Bruce Wayne in, um, in that, I mean, again, very short, right, teaser. Um so it's kind of interesting. And he's also not the Robert Pattinson from like Twilight. Like he's not, he's not the like polished face guy that we know. So yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the movie itself. I am, I am wanting to see the movie. Yeah. So that's good. It did its job. Shalia helped bring something to my mind though, which I, I appreciate. And I think they did this prominently, which is that they show him like he had just taken his mask off or something like that yeah. towards the end. And he has black makeup around his eyes, yeah. right? Which is, for anybody who's not really aware, in pretty much all of the previous Batman movies, when he has that mask on, they've added black makeup around his eyes so that there's not that jarring, uh, like, light skin. Like, if you just put on a mask like that, the, the way they have it, you would see the person's skin, right? Um, it wouldn't just go straight to their eyes. So they always put on makeup. The, the but they don't acknowledge that because he'll pull the, the mask off during the movie and there'll be no makeup there. So I like that he that they, they put that there and I think that that was almost a signal to people who have been into Batman for a long time that we're taking certain parts even more seriously than we have before. Yeah, we're paying attention to the details. Basically. Uh, and just connecting to what, uh, what else I was going to say, Kenyon brought up Ben Affleck as Batman. He's returning in the Flash movie as Batman. So we're going to have Ben Affleck Batman and a Michael Keaton Batman in a Flash movie, which tells you, anybody want to fill in what this tells you? Flashpoint. We're doing a Flashpoint story. But you know what it also says to me? I could see Robert Pattinson's Batman growing up into Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah. Like now with this trailer, I'm like, I could see that. Um, yeah, we're getting some sort of Flashpoint, some sort of multiverse storyline is coming. If we is there going to be anime Batman? That would be funny. And noir Batman. And, noir. <laughs> and we also got a look at just uh, the um, Justice League Snyder Cut 
which is going to be four hours and one hour installments on HBO Max. I'm not watching this. <laughs> I, I saw I saw one hour of the last one and I'm good. Now, to be fair, they say it's a different movie. They say Cyborg is the heart and soul of the film. We get more Flash. We actually get a look at um, Dark Side. We'll see. They, they've been pushing for the Snyder Cut for years. We're finally going to get it. Hopefully, it's entertaining. They need to fix the CG on Cyborg before I'm going to watch. Because he looked like a straight-up cartoon character. And they've got all this time to do that. <laughs> so they were, Hopefully they, so. Do you remember the Green Lantern movie? Yeah. Where it was kind of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something like that? Yeah, yeah, where it was like one human surrounded by cartoons? Yeah, it was like everything on Oa looked nuts. And then everything yeah. on Oa looked like it took place on like a soap opera set. It was... <laughs> Retrospectively, I'm angry. I'm even more angry at that movie because I wasn't when I came out. I was like, that wasn't great. But I didn't know that meant that they were going to avoid the Green Lantern in places he clearly belongs. Like that Justice League movie, the Green Lantern needed to be there. And I probably would have gone to see it in the theater. Because that would have made sense that he shows up on Earth when Earth is being attacked by. (laughs) Yeah. So this is kind of like, it's kind of like, oh, uh, Captain Marvel, well, they, people were like, why didn't she show up for this, this, or whatever? Um, but she shows up when it's really important, and Thanos actually shows up. This is kind of like if she had said, call, Thanos is there, call me when it's really important. So, okay, so I remember that from Thor 2, where he's out in Europe, like, fighting, and, and it, what it's, what, one of the things I think it does is, like, in retrospect, those other things weren't that bad, because she didn't show up. And in Thor 2, I was like, where's where's Iron Man and Cap? Like, can't they come help him? Like, why is this so dire? And being like, because it's not that dire. Um, but you don't know that until you see what really is and what really does bring them, right? Basically. I mean, yeah, Ultron was not a, a galaxy or even a planet, I guess. Yeah. Or yeah. she got she got the text and she was like, the commute's too long. Like, you guys are going to affix, yeah, you guys are going to affix this before I get there. Yeah. sort of situation yeah. yeah it's 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 nuts that they haven't figured out a way to include gl but um hopefully moving forward we get uh a Lantern Who? Green, green lantern oh gl i got you they I should say they, did they switch green lantern again is he an yeah. alien now i don't There's know if like seen, 12 of them yeah right i don't know if you've seen justice league war the animated version but it starts with him and batman oh i mean i'll watch and it starts with him not knowing, not fully knowing who Batman is, like not having a real full, hearing about him, but not having a full understanding. And then they come in contact with, with uh, a parademon oh. in a mother box. And like, and in a so, mother box? Um, yeah, this is the, in the cartoon, the, the mother box. And they, yeah. it's alien, so they automatically think Superman. So then they go try to find Superman because it's of alien origin. They don't know if it's him. I like that those little nuances are in that cartoon because it's like, they don't, they're not the Justice League yet, so they don't have a full understanding of who each other is. And to be fair, like, if they want to get me into another Justice League movie, I actually am going to require that they bring in uh, the Martian Manhunter as well. I mean, that would be smart. But uh, I'll, I'll listen, I'm going to watch this movie and I will let you know if it's worth your time. I'll watch, I'm going to watch all four hours of it. Are you going to take that hit for us? Yeah. Are you going to watch them all at one time or are you going to do an hour wait? 
an hour wait. So good question. I might do two two-hour blocks. It would depend if they're releasing it at once or releasing it weekly. I don't know. But, yeah. I think it's smart, I'll say. Like, again, I made it through the first Justice League and was like, this this thing makes me... Were you trapped on a plane? <laughs> I think you were, Yes, right? I was on a plane. I did. I watched it on a plane. And I actually didn't hate it. Like, I hated the Superman versus Batman one. But... Martha! Uh, Martha! Uh, but an hour is like, oh, I could do an hour, right? Like, we'll see. And yeah. like, yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. There's no way I'm going to like sign up for a full movie. No way. At once. All right. Any other news from you, Tim? That's it for me. None All right. I've got some news about 10 days ago. Actually, exactly 10 days ago, Epic Games is suing Apple. I heard. Yeah. On antitrust violations. And the one that I really care about, well, I care about all of them, but the one that I think sounds like the thing that I really care about is unreasonable restraints of trade in the market. Mm-hmm. That's a violation of the Sherman Act, Section 1. So backstory quickly is that Epic Games decided to put a way to pay for um, additional features so in their game- app, Fortnite. Yep. Fortnite. Yes. Fortnite. One of the largest, the largest I gotta say it's games. Fortnite. Yeah. Um, so created a way to buy um, to make purchases without using the Apple in app purchases model. Um, so Apple takes 30% of what your purchases are. So if you're gonna pay $3 or $2.99 for whatever thing that you're wanting to pay for, Apple's getting 30% of that through mm-hmm. their in-app purchases feature. Um, Epic Games went around that. Um, because PayPal, Stein, they only charge 3%. So Epic Games could be getting a lot more money. Kendon. Do you remember this, This probably a prelude to this uh, was, I think, Netflix? Was it Netflix subscription or HBO's where they wouldn't let you subscribe through Apple? for the, you had, they, they would like redirect you because otherwise Apple would be taking 30% of your monthly subscription. Right. Yep, that was an issue. So... This so Epic Games did that. Apple then uh, blocked them from the App Store, and so now they are suing. So uh, this is very exciting, I think, because Mulan. So I really want to watch Mulan. I've been very excited about it. It's we're going to get it in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But as our friends know, Kendon and I watch things through an Amazon Fire Stick, and there have been issues already with. Fire Stick and other um, devices or programs that uh, because of these content agreements, we can't watch everything. So right now we currently cannot watch HBO Max because Mm -hmm. they have not reached a contract with Amazon to let us see the content of HBO Max on our Fire Stick. I have been very excited about Mulan. I think all our friends know about that. Since quarantine started, I said, I'll pay whatever. Just let me watch it. I'm so excited. And yesterday, my heart just crumpled into millions of pieces when I saw that Amazon Fire Stick is not going to be able to play Mulan. So Disney Plus subscribers can pay the extra $30. It looks like it's, it's going to be for sure. Um, and it's select <laughs> programs. And yeah, so they're, they don't have a contract. And that is frustrating to me because for somebody who does 
have a Disney Plus subscription, it seems like an unfair practice, unfair market practice that you can't watch on the device that you have. And I, I don't know, I'm assuming it's Amazon Fire Stick does something similar that Apple does in the App Store where you get a percentage of the profits from like us paying to watch Mulan. So I think this might be Amazon's fault. I don't know. But I'm excited to see where this lawsuit goes because as a consumer, I want access to content, especially if I'm willing to pay for it. And I don't think I should have to buy a bunch of physical devices in order to do that if I'm paying for the content itself. Because like, hopefully they figure this out. But if they don't, we're either going to have to not watch it or purchase an Apple TV. But at the same time, like it would be nice that the physical device that you're watching things through doesn't dictate whether you can pay for content and watch the content that you pay for. Thoughts? Reactions? I think this is something we're going to have to get used to. I think that thing, like, despite how this turns out, which I agree, um, I'm glad to see that somebody is challenging this because, like I said, this has been an issue for a while. Um, These court cases, I don't think, are really going to be pro-consumer in a way as opposed to more fairness between the large corporations. <laughs> yes, but if there's more for fairness, they're no more likely to reach about the consumer. Yeah, nobody's thinking about the consumer. <laughs> yes, but at least at least if it's more fair, they will have better agreements. And then they will be able to reach agreements and then the consumer will benefit. That's the idea. The other pieces, I mean the other um components that I didn't bring up because I don't think they're as relevant to my Mulan problem is monopoly. That's that's another component that I don't know that Fire Stick has. Is it a monopoly or an antitrust? Because there's a difference, right? Well, no, antitrust deals with monopolies and unfair competition. It's both. But it's like oh. trying to become a monopoly. Or or remain a monopoly. But I don't think that any there's any way that Apple is currently a monopoly. Antitrust would be to prevent them from becoming a monopoly. Sure, but the Sherman Act Section 2 is unlawful monopoly maintenance. So if they are a monopoly... And that's going to be something that Epic Games will have to prove is that um, Apple is a monopoly. They said, at a market cap of nearly $2 trillion, Apple's size and reach far exceeds that of any technology monopolist in history. Bigger, more powerful, more entrenched, and more pernicious than the monopolists of yesteryear. So, I mean, that, that's something that they'll have to prove to the court. And yeah, if the that, court determines it's a monopoly, then... In that case, that actually makes me more worried because that would mean, from my point of view, that the opposing idea would be that, well, we're not a monopoly because Google is there. And I think they sell more devices than, than Apple does. And it, so basically Apple might be able to point to their competition and be like, no, we're not. Like there's all of these other platforms. You get what I'm saying? So- yeah, but I don't really care about the in-app purchases in the app store on the apples. My What I care about is how I get to stream my entertainment. And so- of the like counts, because they've brought, I think, 10 um, counts under antitrust laws, state and federal. And so the one that I'm like, okay, unfair restrictive trade, because that will help me get my content on my big TV instead of having to try to watch it on my phone. So yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm hopeful. Minor piece of history, Epic Games made like one of the first online shooters I ever played on uh, Unreal Tournament back in like 2000. We used to play Unreal <laughs> Tournament. Unreal Tournament, it was what it was called. Tim, what's your reaction? I'm with Kendon. I don't know if it's going to benefit the consumers at all. 
I don't know. It's gonna. We're in the content war. You're just gonna see more of this kind of stuff. For content, and you're gonna see it with not just movies. You're gonna see it with a podcast. You're gonna see it with our music streaming, our DSPs. It's just everyone. Everyone has a device <clears throat> that streams something, and it seems cheap. And it's oh, you can tap in for X amount a month. And now it's just how do we control that? Look, if I can't get you to come over to my, if I can't get you to buy my service, how do I then control the fact that you can only have my service? Not by giving a better service, but by trying to silo things off. Yeah. Which again, feels a lot like an antitrust violation. Running back to Microsoft. And and to Kenan's point, you've got to be like an Uber nerd to like understand that maybe you have faster whatever or you have better service on the back end. Most people don't realize that. They're not realizing that the service is better on some level. Like, unless you change the, like, the, the user interference interface or something, people don't see anything. Like, like Hulu, Hulu just did a change and it looks cooler and it's easy to navigate. That's great. But like, if they've been changing things on the back end to make streaming quicker, to make th- your videos load faster, most people aren't even really acknowledging that. So- This is most people have rose colored glasses too. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it, and incremental changes is like it was always convenient. Okay, I may not be most people then because the Hulu change, I was like, this is shit. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> to be fair, like we're we're from a generation we knew the times before this. <laughs> I, I go back to like a cable box and like all of that. But my nephew, who's fourteen, all he knows is streaming. Like he doesn't even know what. If I if I brought him a cable box and told him to hook this up, he would look at me stupid. And like, is this a video game? Like, he wouldn't know what to do. So all he knows is streaming. All he knows is, like, getting... Like, he does all the TV stuff for my sister because he just knows how to do it. Um, he's will, you please, re- will you please record him using a rotary phone? <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to do that. Um, but, yeah, he knows none of this. He knows none of it. He just... He knows he can watch stuff on his phone. He know, Like, sneaker apps is, like, a thing he thinks that we always did. I'm like, fam, no. We were showing up at Foot Locker like, oh, you don't got... The Jordans, oh, you do have them, but you don't have them in a size 10 and a half, like, and just being heartbroken. Like, he doesn't know any of that pain. The, like, most exciting life hack was when you realized you could call the stores. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it would happen in the store. I'd be in the store and be like, oh, but you don't have my size. I want this. And then they would go and call. They would have the connect to be able to call their coworkers and be like, hey, you guys have this and this. Okay, you can drive there. They're going to hold it yeah. for you. We're going to hold it for you under your name. To be fair, here's a real conversation I have with my nephew. We were talking about music, new music, right? Him and his friend were getting, they're getting into music and they like music a lot and they're listening to local music, whatever, right? I said, there was a time, right now you want to listen to the new NOS, which is great. The new NOS is great. But I just went on my phone, went to Apple Music, clicked on NOS, new album. I didn't have to click on the search's name. I scrolled to new releases. It's on there, clicked on it, hit play. But what I told him, said, there was a time where you had to physically go to a record store and hope if the record was hot, like Doggy Style sold out. I remember just trying to find Me Against the World. I remember trying to find Hit Him Up on like a maxi single, like going to a record store to find an album and they don't have it and then trying to find out who has it. Or if you don't have the cash, do you remember, uh, I would listen on the radio yeah. and, it's, and when I'm like, oh, they're going to play it, I'd start recording and have my oh. <laughs> cassette tape recording from the radio. He doesn't know that pain. But you think about so so it's for him it's the access to these type of things is is normalized for him. So
So he's gonna, so all this stuff they're doing, all of this, buying up other companies means nothing to him. Do I still have access to it? Is it still convenient? Cool. Until he doesn't. Until so he doesn't. he's like, I have to have all of these devices and my mom won't buy this one. Oh, yeah. um, I always thought it was just like, they're not compatible, that mm-hmm. they're not, um, there's like a tech reason why it doesn't work that way. So like some apps don't work on an Apple phone. Now that was naive of me probably, but that's what I was thinking. I didn't realize it was just like money. They want to make money and it, and they have the physical capability to put these on here. So like if I pay for the service, I should get the content is where I'm at. Like if the, if the physical device that delivers it can do it, I think it should have to do it because I'm, I paid for the device. Like I bought this physical device and you got my money. Yeah. And I think that then if it's capable of playing it and I'm paying for that, I should be able to have it. So like Hulu, we have that. We pay for the Hulu subscription and we have what Hulu provides. You should be able to access it through any device that allows Hulu. Yeah. That allows Hulu. I think all devices should allow it if if the tech is like if the physical ability is there. If it's an app, it should be available. But I will tell you, I love my Apple TV. Like, it's great. Like, I'm just, and I got it for free when I signed up for AT&T now. They gave me a free Apple device. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll use that. One thing I'd say to you, Shalia, is you should stop thinking of these devices as like what you bought. What you bought was an access port to their services, right? So that's why you're dealing with issues of can we can you watch X on X, um, what do you say, ecosystem or whatever. Like the phone is expensive and all, and it makes you feel like, oh, I should, I should be able to watch X or Y here. But really, this is, they don't even, I don't think they even care about the device as much as the real money is in the service that they're, that they're able to, to pay. Or be, uh, right, well, 30%. For. That's a lot. I say something about Epic Games. Sure. They've been stealing content mostly yep. for creators, for dancers, in, in, for, in Fortnite. So, what happened to, to Alfonso? What's his name? Carlton? Yeah, the Carlton dance. Because he sued for that, didn't he? But I mean, he could, but there's so many other. Vi- no, I think he did. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what the, what the follow-up the story was. Yeah, and it's mostly creators of color who dances end up on this multi-billion dollar making game and they see no profits from it. Right, so, exactly. So there, it's not it's not the David and Goliath like, oh, we're going to, we're, we're rooting for... Um, the little guy. <laughs> the little guy. <laughs> no. Yes, I'll, I'll follow you on that except for the law itself that's what i care about yeah. i don't care about the parties in this case i care about i am the law <laughs> the law <laughs> and what happens there but so that reminds me of um i think it was slash film daily was talking about some documentary that one of them was watching and at the end it was like we don't have uh we didn't have copyright permission or whatever the term is for it um for all of the stuff that we put in here oh it was like a disney behind disney type of documentary um and um we looked for we looked for the uh, to get the rights, but we couldn't find the people who own the rights. So, oh well, <laughs> we just put it in our movie. And like, I was, I thought that was funny because I guess it's true. Like, if you if you put in like you try to find the person to ask for permission and you can't right. find them, then I guess you just use it until they say you can't. Yeah, and then you I, know I know we're short on time today, but one day I'll tell a story about interviewing a director. He was talking about the process of trying to find music for his film. 
that he wanted to use, and it was nuts. I had no idea it was that hard of a process. It's nuts. Yeah, well, I'll tell that story one day. I was, like, laughing out loud. He was like, this is what it's like to try to find music for your film. You want to use a Kendrick Lamar song, it's probably easy to find, but if you're using a song that was made in the 80s, trying to track down everybody, yeah. Yeah, once a record label or something goes defunct and yeah. it's bought up by somebody else, yeah. and if they don't particularly care about that old song... Or if they do... Or if they do, <laughs> if they do care, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, we also see this on like TikTok now, right? Or like former Musically or YouTube, where you have somebody who like makes up a dance, but then somebody else copies it right quick, and then you're like, wait, who was the originator? And like making sure that they get their props um, and money. Like if Fortnite then puts it in there, like yep. they should get some of that. Yeah. All right, so that's my news. Uh, what have you guys been doing quickly? Real quick, uh, I watched Lovecraft Country on HBO on Sunday, episode one. It was fantastic. Uh, very black, very sci-fi, nuts. Um, love the leads in it. Um, I think they're all stars. I'm looking forward to the next nine episodes. And also, yeah. happy birthday, Kobe Bryant. It's birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Kobe. Kobe. I watched the LA uh I've been texting our old coworker, who's a diehard Blazers fan, about this. Him and him and his son. We've been on a, a text thread during the playoffs, so it's been. Uh, Rashid Wallace was my favorite player <laughs> in, uh, and he had that like white spot on his head, yeah. so I could always find him. <laughs> yeah, she's good, man. I love watching she. He's great. Um, Lovecraft Country. So, without spoilers, I hear that like the first episode leaves you questioning what the rest of the season is going to do. Do you have an idea though, of whether we're going to get to keep these main characters? Like, because they are huge stars and I'm very excited. I love Journey Smollett. Oh, um, I'm for sure one person's going to die. You're going to okay. watch episode one. You're going to be like, Ugh. you got all the markings of like, you're not going to make it, bro. Yeah. If Fair this enough. is Lovecraft, then you're be not. prepared. <laughs> Yeah. And somebody, somebody's going to go insane by the end of this too, if this yeah. is truly Lovecraft. So yeah. I guess my point was more like, are these going to be standalone episodes where we're going to have like main characters or is it going to be one long season of it's one long season. like Stranger Things? Okay. Yeah. Um, I will say the one thing I do love about this, what I, this is something that I, I've learned to appreciate the stuff like Inception and creators have a way, and Misha Green is good at this in this, in this show is creating a world that's super crazy, but feels very real to the people in the story. Like when they talk about Lovecraft Country, like it's not crazy to them. It's just a thing that's out there that they've heard about. Wait, what, it's part of like okay, world building, right? Country? Good is world it like building. The Bible Belt? Is, is, is that- No, like, they're like Northeast, they're like outside of Boston right now. No, I mean like, uh how you refer to an area you're like oh the bible belt the sun belt lovecraft country yeah. yeah that's that's how they feel okay yeah yeah and so they got this map and they're like yeah it's right here where we're going mm -hmm. is right over here so yeah i like that it's like a very realized thing um because it, it makes it it allows for you to to have a reference for the characters and their reactions and how they respond to things. If everyone believes this thing is happening, like Inception, when they talk about going into dreams, it's super crazy. But every character in the film knows it's a real thing, and they all we don't need a bunch of backstory. Everyone believes this is the thing that's happening, and they're just they operate from that point of view. I love and I love that, so I'm enjoying it. 
Very cool. Kendon, what have you been up to? Um, quickly, I, well, I started uh, the first episode, two, two episodes of the third season of Hannibal. What uh, a crazy show, bro. Yeah, so I really, I stopped early. I don't remember why I stopped. I watched the whole uh, first two seasons. It was incredible. It was incredibly made. Yeah. Um, how did this show in the past television <laughs> on network television? I said the like, same thing. Wow! At the beginning of the, I mean, I think we're past the spoiler, but just say at the beginning of the second episode, yeah. somebody gets their throat all the way slit. All like, and it's like blood everywhere. Yes, wow. and and I remember actually one of the most disturbing things I remember seeing when I was a kid was a scene in Braveheart where they murder his wife. Yeah, right, and they slit her throat, and I was like, people do this. Like, I I still cringe my neck up, like at the thought of that particular act of violence. Right, and I was like, oh, this was. I mean, this wasn't like it. Came, it must have come out at eight or nine, or something like that. Yeah, I was like, this was on regular ass TV. Came on, um, came on NBC every week. Uh, yeah, so Can I, tell you I remember this funny to me hmm. is Hannibal's dinner parties. <laughs> they're just unintentionally right? funny. Like every time they're like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's apricot mesh with like oat milk and walnut sauce. I'm like, no, those that's people. You're eating people. <laughs> but <he laughs> Soylent Green is people. Yeah. But, but he gives like this, he always gives this very like eloquent explanation. I'm like, those are fingers, bro. But also he's never, I feel like he's never straight up lying either. Yeah. He's, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of clever about obscuring the fact that really it is human meat. Yeah. And then like people rave about his parties like randomly in the show. Oh, Hannibal throws the best parties. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he does. You know, that problematic scene at the end of, <laughs> Ace Ventura, where they all find out that the police uh, captain used to be a woman, yeah, or used to be a man, yeah, and they're all like, and they're all like scraping their tongues and throwing up. I imagine that's what the reaction of a ton of people are when Hannibal Lecter actually gets when he gets um, caught. caught. All these people are like, oh, his wonderful dinner parties, (laughs) and like all these rich people and like high society folks hobnobbing in suits and dresses just eating humans are any of them ever vegetarians do do vegetarians ever go to his party and just like eat the sides (laughs) i'll have the sides thank you uh it's a good point i don't know i don't think he would invite those people over he's a snob he's a certain sort of snob he's like you guys don't have the correct sort of palate so get out of here (laughs) um but anyways my point being is uh before I remember maybe taking a pause on that show because I was actually bothered by the disrespect for human body. Yeah. Like the degradation. Um, when they cut over that girl in a bunch of little pieces and that chin, he had her in that glass. Well, I was thinking about the one where they, where they sewed all those people into the uh, huge spiral that was inside uh, of the, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, you guys are looking for more and more ways to like be degrading. Gross me out. Every- yeah. Well, no, the, there's the gross factor, but there's also just a, I realized that I had this respect for human, the human form, the human body. And it's like using it as just meat in, in as many ways as you can. Anyways. So anyways, I started, I restarted that. I'll, I'll give an update, but I wanted to say I finished Sandman, the book. I'm hope I, I haven't done the research yet. I'm hoping that it's only part one 
or something that the, that the whole that that was not the whole series because I was enraptured in it. I loved it. Um, I got the digital version of the comic to read along with it. And I wanted to say two things. One, outside of the fact that it's excellent and I would highly recommend it. Um, I actually listened to the to part of the credits at the end. I did not realize how large the, the voice cast was and how packed the, the voice cast was. And I just want to read off a couple of these. Um, Sandman, Lord Morpheus is his name. It's played by James McAvoy. Now, love hit me some McAvoy. Let, let me say that I don't necessarily just recognize the voice. I, I, was, I wasn't even thinking who these voices were necessarily, right? I was just like, this is just really good. Yeah. Except for that the narrator is Neil Gaiman, and I, and I kind of guessed that that was the case, right? Um, but we also have Michael Sheen playing Lucifer. Riz Ahmed playing a, a character named V. Hey, Riz. I like that guy. Yep. The, the Corinthian. Um, do they have it here? Kat Dennings was playing his sister, Death. Hey, um, too. Yeah. yeah. Did I say Taron Edgerton as John Constantine? Love Taron. The character from the... Um, why am I... Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves. Was it Keanu Reeves who played Constantine in that yeah. early 2000s movie? So it's that character because the Sandman interacts with all of these different... Um, DC like tangentially with these DC characters. Um, else do we have uh, Andy Circus plays uh, a Raven, and there's several other. Um, but there's also John Jones, the Ma the uh, John Jones, the Martian Manhunter is played by Reginald D. Hunter. Um, so it's a really great cast, and there's some other names you you'd probably recognize. Um, and then, so here's the one thing that worries me is that it might be the end because um the last story in the book uh is a story about a midsummer night's dream right um which could be the perfect ending because basically in an earlier story um dream has had made a deal with shakespeare because shakespeare wants to write something so like he's kind of a failing playwright, but he wants to, to create things that will inspire dreams and in men for generations to come. And Dream's like, oh, he hears it from across the bar. He's like, oh, I'm gonna go and talk to that guy. So, but apparently the deal is that he has to, that he, he owes him two, right? And one of them is gonna be towards the twilight of his career or something like that, which I'm guessing is the Tempest. Mm -hmm. So either this ended perfectly with this story of, the Midsummer Night's Dream, um, or because the way that it the the it ends is just so perfect um, as far as the production, or hopefully there's at least one more volume coming and a similar story with the Tempest. Um, okay, anything else you've been up to? That's all. All right, quickly, what I have been up to is on Netflix. It is called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Have you seen this, Tim? I have not even heard of it. Okay, so it's improv. So it's Middle Edition Swartz. It's basically like a HBO comedy, like what you would see, except for it's these two doing um, improv. And so it's Thomas Middle Ditch. We know him from Silicon Valley. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. And Ben Schwartz. He was in, he's in Space Force. He was in Parks and Rec. Yeah, he's funny. Um, yeah, he's in Lego Movie, DuckTales. Woohoo. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so they just like for an hour, uh, it's, it, 
they, they talk to the audience, get kind of a feel of a story, and then they just go with it. Um, so I watched the episode, I think it's their second episode, which is um, law school. <laughs> it's pretty great. So I recommend it. It's fun. Um, and then the other thing I watched was- It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. There we go. Pretty cool. Um, improv is fun. So it makes sense uh, that they would, that this would, this would work. Um, and then the other thing I did was watched Enchanted. Do you guys remember Enchanted? Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Wait. Is... Cyclops is in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched it. I love it. This movie every time. And like, it's one of those where if you suggest it, I'm like, sure, let's watch it. Let's put it on. It's a, it's a fun one. And I thought it was pretty funny too, because it ties into the movie we're talking about this week. Because my very, very, very favorite scene is when um, Giselle wakes up for her first morning in New York City and realizes the apartment that she's in is a mess. So she opens the window and calls all her animal friends. And it's rats and pigeons and cockroaches. Which <laughs> and is they funny because all... they'd leave more of a mess than started. Yeah. yeah, no, they're like, they're cleaning the toilet. They're putting away the dishes. They're washing the dishes and putting away the dishes. And I just laugh every time. I cannot, like... It cracks me up because that's what kind of animals you get in New York City. And um, anyway, like they come out, Patrick Dempsey comes out and has like all these rodents in his living room. <laughs> it's so <laughs> gross. Um, and so I laughed because in the movie that we're talking about this week, we have another animal lover uh, with some random strays. So are you guys ready to get, <laughs> are you guys ready to get into short circuit? $11 million worth of robot. Just hit the road. Number five is alive. Welcome to my planet. More input. More input. Short circuit. I am alive. Short circuit from the beautiful year of 1986. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us who made this? Who's in it? It was directed by John Badham. Are you familiar with any of his other work? Nope. Yes, you are. Saturday Night Fever. Ah. Uh, he's watching Saturday Night Fever in this. Yes. And Ali Sheedy is War Games. Yep, that makes sense. Ah, it's all coming together. Mm -hmm. uh, but it stars Ali Sheedy as Stephanie, Steve Gutenberg, who we all who just did the Police Academy, as Newton. Okay. The elephant in the room is, of course, Fisher Stevers is Ben, who is not really Indian. <laughs> He's not at all. Just a white guy playing an Indian with a very stereotypical Indian accent. And literal black or brown face. brown face. They definitely paint him brown. Like On top of which, having the weird, where are you from conversation, which is kind of fun. It's like, it's a funny punchline. Yeah. But then it's, then it's like, why don't you understand Okay, we'll get into it. Go ahead. Go ahead. And G.W. Bailey, who we know from Police Academy, is uh, Scroder, who plays like the very a similar character as he does in Police Academy, just this overbearing general type of person. Um, and then the other guy, the one who's concerned with all the money. Uh, uh, Brian McNamara, who plays Frank. Yeah. I remember him from Guarding Tess. Yeah. I like that guy. I like that guy. Yeah, that is the movie. Okay. Uh, Tim, you chose this movie. Can oh. you tell us what it's about? It is about uh, this defense company, or uh, I don't, are they a defense company or electronic? Like, what are they? What do they do? Are they yeah, they're, definitely defense. They're, yeah, military. We created these military robots that have like all these weapons on them, and one day one of the one of them gets hit by lightning, 
and they think malfunctions and is off grid. But what they don't know is that it somehow becomes more sentient and is learning and needs input. Ends up at Stephanie's house, played by Alex Sheely. She thinks he's an alien and somehow just embraces him. Like, come in my house, alien. The first thing she says is like, I knew they'd come for me. Like she's been waiting for this like alien. Call. I like that line. Um, come to find out he is a weapon. So um, Newton and his buddy are, are out to, because they want to destroy it because it's a weapon. They don't want it getting in the wrong hands. So they want to destroy it. They're like, no, we need to, we can learn from whatever this malfunction is. Let's just give us some time to go capture it. And when they go to capture it, Stephanie tells them he's been learning. He like drives terribly, but like he drives the truck and they try to bring him back to, so what he realizes when he, he steps on a grasshopper, he's like, he tells Stephanie to reassemble. She's like, no, once you're dead, you're dead. Like you can't reassemble. So he realizes that Nova wants to like take him apart, which means he's going to die and he can't go back together. So he doesn't want to go back to Nova. So it's, it's this sort of cat and mouse game to save him from going back to Nova and protect Johnny Five because now he's alive. Johnny Five is alive. Who did you did you mention who does his voice? No, who does his voice? Tim Blaney. We also know him from Men in Black and The Muppets and The Flight of the Navigator. And other stuff. But yeah. I thought it was Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait. Yeah. And I believed that I was like, you know, that's didn't we that's think that's quite possible. Didn't we think that Pee Wee Herman was um Flight of the Navigator? It was. He was. Is P.P. He's not P.P. Herman. Tim Blaney's not P.P. Herman, right? No, no. no that's uh, Jim Rubens. Okay. Uh, I don't remember his first name. Something Rubin. Okay. It's just similar voices. Um, all right. Where all do you guys right. want to begin? Um, what an insane film. It's kind of nuts. I thought I'd seen this movie before, and I'm pretty sure I haven't. I'm pretty sure as a kid, I rewatched I re um, Short Circuit 2 several times. There's a sequel. Does he wear a gold chain at any time? <laughs> he might. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that's the one I've seen. And like, I, I was like, I'm really familiar with like, because I really like this movie. I didn't recognize anything happening in this movie. Right. So, yeah. Well, why did you pick it, Tim? I watched it so much as a kid. Like, I watched it a lot. I think it was like the Who's Johnny song was really cool. You know, Johnny Five was like a cool character. He seemed very childish in his learning and understanding. And he just wanted to have fun. He was afraid of death. Like he just wanted to live. And, right, and, and we've seen that already. Like E.T., these other 80s films, there's just these, these creature, whatever, A, is afraid of dying. So they want to stay alive. And these ragtag humans help keep him alive. Tim, was E.T. 1982? I think so. Yeah, I feel like the, one of the first things I saw was like, oh, such a strong um, influence as far as design. Yeah. Right? And then, like, we've all learned by now, like, they call, like, Disney eyes, for instance. Like, the big eyes in the front for empathy. Like, to, you know, empathize with something. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Shalia said, is this where they got Wally from? And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, so fun fact, uh, the director did not allow the puppeteers and the robotics folks 
to add anything to uh, you, Saint, right? Somebody look up what it stands for. I forget. Nuclear transport is the only thing I remember. Yeah. Um, they he wouldn't let any they, he wouldn't let them add any features that were not practical and necessary. So like they had to argue to make not argue. They had to make an argument to have eyes by right. saying these are the cameras so that we can see. And then um, like the eyebrows, like no, no eyebrows. Um, but they were able to do it because they were like, well, you have to shield the sun and like light so the that we can see are through the cameras. The star of the yeah, no, exactly. Those eyebrows. Yeah. Last of you, emote. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. It was like they wanted, obviously, they were like, it needs to be able to emote, but the director was like, you got to have a reason for it to be on there or else no. And then, um, like, the military tracks, like that. Those. Yeah. So uh, it makes sense. It looks like military, but that, <laughs> that was also necessary to hide the car motor that what? was running this. <laughs> <laughs> this this part this robot um so i think that was really fun like production wise they did it i also like when his eyes would turn red it was really mm -hmm. well so that's the other thing i was going to say because they look really sinister at the beginning because also those eyebrows allow them to squint yeah right mm -hmm. um and so they look all sinister at the beginning and that we're gonna shoot these russian tanks right um and i want to point out real quick like this is kind of in influences but i think it will it helps with this do you remember Terminator 3? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember what the first Terminator looked like? The TX or the T1? Mm -hmm. I have a picture up for Shalia, but... Yeah. There are some so, similarities. Despite the fact that I was like, they talk about these are the perfect soldiers. We can drop them behind enemy lines. They, they're immune to all of these different uh, weather conditions, which is BS, by the way. Looking it's at one hundred percent BS. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like sand is going to get into all those gears, um, rust or whatever. It'll overheat, or no, or or it'll unless they have really good antifreeze or whatever. You can't use this in like Siberia. Are you kidding me? Um, anyways, so yeah, this reminds me though of a kind of a, a real basic version of um, the T or the the T one or whatever from the Terminator Three movie. So. Um I want to go back to just kind of the tone of this movie because you mentioned ET um, you mentioned war games. I think the reason this movie works so well and is so beloved is that it's just positive. Like it's yeah. fun. It's a happy ending, right? Like ET at the end, he like, they have to say goodbye in this one. No, no, no. They're going to go live on a 40 acre farm in Montana and bring all her. Um, yeah. And like everyone's going to be together. It's like a happy ending He's fun. She's fun. Goot is like, he's smart himself. He's smart. It's so it's like yes, there's there's drama and like uh, conflict in the movie itself, but you overcome it. You enjoy yourself as you're doing it, and then it like ends happy. So I think that's like a that's something that makes this movie special. But also, I want to say one of the things is we don't spend too much time with the bad guys, but we don't spend a lot of time with them. They sort of pop in and out the film. You know, it's interesting. Necessary, then they're gone. Well, and they're not really bad guys, yeah. sort of, right? Like, that's the other piece. Well, I was going to say, we kind of have multiple antagonists, right? The two scientists are, to a certain degree, the, the antagonists for, like, the middle part of the movie. Right. But we're okay with that because, A, we know they don't understand and still care about the robot, but they don't necessarily care about it in the way that they're going to because 
right now it's their creation it's their baby but they don't know more about it <laughs> the other guy he and like the 80s businessman sort of guy he's not that bad he seems just a little goofy not not overly goofy but just like a little stressed out because it's 11 out. million dollars each like, that's yeah. a lot of money <laughs> he's not like overly destructive he does he's not like the robocop executives or anything like that where does he get that gun from in that scene in the garage i think he's been packing the whole time yeah. I was like, was he had a, I was like, this business guy's had a gun on himself the entire time i mean you know maybe he was mugged one time yeah he just pulls out and i was like oh wow this guy was strapped but i liked him as well and, and like he was always frustrated with the military guy which yeah. i realized like i assumed he was security and then i was like is that military security whatever and it was like no this guy's like a security guard yeah it's just so, security on the <laughs> right silly village. but no i thought it was like you know mp like military police like i was like for for a while i was like because they're like military contractors I had just kind of made a, a, a almost lazy mental leap that these guys are military. They're not, which means that they're a paramilitary organization, like deploying forces and shooting up civilian areas. Yeah. But here, even even Schroeder, he is the he is like the major antagonist. But even him, like this thing, is nuclear. Maybe yeah. like it is. It is an actual. <laughs> yeah. So like. Well, here's what I'm like, not. He may about. be dense to like not listen to all these guys, but like his objective to like protect everybody, is not wrong. Not wrong. Here, what they don't, what they didn't make clear is they said they could, they could arm it with the nuclear device, but does, but I don't think they did, like domestically, just for this um, demonstration to a bunch of senators and people like that, right? So just because it could be armed with one doesn't mean necessarily that it's carrying one around all this. And if it was, we have all types of different problems, right? Because then, because this, I made the point to Shalia, this this $11 million, you know, uh, United States military hardware or whatever just got, or, or is it, maybe it's still private property because they're trying to sell it, but essentially it gets stolen just Imagine that the that the truck driver who drives it out of the facility was a spy, right? Like you see how easy it was for him to steal it in in that way. Um, but this all happened by accident on top of it. So it's like the security for this for this company is just laughable. Well, I mean, I, I guess that kind of shows like a level of incompetence that's supposed to be goofy and like sets that tone. But I mean, like why do you have $11 million robots moving from outside to like this showroom without somebody with them? Like, yeah, they can like, they know their path, but still, right. why are they just, so that one can get like then laws? Like, why are they doing that, that by too, themselves? Yeah. Um, and then just to circle back. So SAINT, S-A-I-N-T stands for strategic, artificially intended, blah, blah, blah. Strategic, artificially intelligent nuclear transport. Hmm. So that is what it stands for. And so that is terrifying to me, giving artificial intelligence the nuclear weapons, which they should have learned from in 1984, which is the whole back backstory uh, that you get for Terminator, the first Terminator, right? There's another tie-in. And I want to point out, so we've talked about uh, the, the series Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, right? love that um, It's, con you know, we, we did a connection to Escape from New York and stuff like that. The overall backstory to Metal Gear Solid, um, that part of the series, is that there's a major like uh, destabilization of the nuclear 
standoff between the major nuclear powers because a metal gear what they call is a um it's like a mobile robot mech that that can carry a untraceable nuclear warhead right so this causes like all of these major problems in this case it's because it can fire from a rail gun so it doesn't have propellant right but in this case it's maybe a laser like whatever the case is this is such a such a destabilization that it might actually create a war and in fact I was watching a, a retrospective review of the Watchmen movie. And as the guy talked about what happened, one of the things that happens in that movie is that Dr. Manhattan leaves earth, right? They, his enemy or, or the, the antagonist is able to engineer it for him to leave earth. That actually, since he was the main nuclear deterrent on the United States side actually leads to an up an upping of aggression and the leading to war. Yeah, the doomsday clock moves up. Yes, yeah. Um, so this sort of thing, even though they're talking about securing peace and all that, which is the sort of rhetoric that was being used, this thing would only increase the chance, I think, of, of, of conflict. Um, it's, it's the like whole the, idea that you can drop robots. It's like, it's, like, go ahead. It's like the Avengers. It's like that scene when in, in Civil War where Vision's talking about you know, they're, they're, they're being a causality effect of them showing up and showing force, then creating more people, more problems and more people are showing up, right? Um, I mean, that was the, that was the argument in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Or, or was it Batman Begins or The Dark Knight? Dark Knight, yeah. Yeah. Also, we know, okay, so we are in the Cold War. So that's one thing, right? And War Games. So you said that this director directed War Games. And so that computer doesn't like physically transport nuclear weapons but it can <laughs> and it does and that's and 1983 so yeah we know but i think that's the point too of the movie is like we the audience knows this is an issue and the characters are doing it anyway and you're like oh like kind of watching a train wreck a little bit like, can we talk about the, can we talk about the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend sure absolutely he's got like that 80s douchebag starter kit he's got like the fast car Mm -hmm. drives crazy yeah the, the the jacket um it's kind he's of gonna, well and like he's gonna sell her dog to science to science because he's almost he's on his last leg which he's got three more which is ridiculous to me because i don't think he would make much money off of a three-legged dog towards the end like it doesn't make sense i just happen to know shalia doesn't want to hear this part but like i know the sort of oh. research that they use dogs for and they're not getting a mutt like from some lady's house with one leg. He's not going to oh, get money for that. No, but also he's very abusive. I don't even know how this started. This sensitive, animal-loving lady, like it, it, it's not. She doesn't look like the type who's going to fall for the bad boy. It doesn't look like he changed. Like he seems like he has been a douchebag. How did these two end up together? She gave him money for his car. <laughs> <laughs> She paid for this dude's car. Well, and they're not necessarily done, right? Like, he's around, they're fighting, and, like, kind of broke up. But, like, until he has the scene where he's trying to go take Johnny Five, and, like, at that point, he's like, okay, we're done. <laughs> like, I feel like they're still seeing each other some. Yeah. Maybe I, I don't every know. time Johnny Five blows something up, Stephanie's, like, cheering on. Like, go, Johnny! She's, I'm like... Okay. Except for she's mad that he's a weapon. 
but she she finds it very useful that he can blow things up but he can which i think himself. actually is a pretty profound point actually yeah. so i love stephanie i can't stand her but i like <laughs> oh, okay i okay, can't I agree stand with you, yeah. her but like on paper i'd be like this character is wonderful um so we're introduced to her driving her food truck um yeah. home and we find out that she is an animal lover and she's taken in all of these strays and she's might get in trouble because she's not zoned for that um, but it's like also kind of funny because it's like ravens like why do you got ravens in cages i don't know that that's where they want to be or her rabbits she's like these are my rabbits and like again i don't i mean i guess rabbits live in cages some and she's having like a raccoon help her make dinner and it's really great because it like sets up like this is she's she is totally going to be open to meeting this robot and like taking it in yeah. um she's got all of these fun animals so i really enjoyed it and i was also like her place stinks like i guarantee like how like all of those kittens uh, the kittens everywhere i'm just like oh my god they're so cute but like that's so much litter like how, how does she do anything else other than clean up after all of these little yeah. animals does she have the the raccoon cleaning the cat litter oh that's a good <laughs> idea and then making pasta dinner and then leaving all the way through the house. Yeah, does it know how to wash its hands? And what is what is the age difference between him and her, the love interest at the end of the like how old is he? And how old is she? Oh, I think they're around the same age. I got the impression they're peers. They didn't seem too you mean Ali Sheedy and different. Um, Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't seem too different to me. Um he well, I didn't like very much, like okay, so you like your robotics and you don't like people. <laughs> you don't want to have to go do this party or whatever. Um, I get it, but like... Well, Shalia, what did you learn about him recently? You were listening to a, a podcast giving some information about him and I found something interesting. I, I don't know. Oh, so the director originally wanted the character to be very much like averse to human, like like human interactions. But then okay, they one of those types. Yeah, one of those types. And then they hired Steve Gutenberg, and the 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 studio was like, or somebody was like, well, he's not unlike he can't be that sort of like an antisocial character. Yeah. So now he like it, it kind of doesn't make sense that it's it's almost like he didn't want to hang out with those people. Not yeah. that he he's uncomfortable hanging out with people. And I think it would have been more sense for him to be a sort of character who finds connection in machines like and it would actually kind of change uh, change it a little bit because he would be very excited about the idea of machines being able to communicate back with him well i guess that's why i had trouble with his character because as soon as she says it's alive or it can talk i mean he's very like nope that's not possible and then um and like they have to have like this whole like secret meeting for him to be convinced that he's alive um whereas i feel like somebody who's that into it would be inspired and be like, what? Like, let me see more. And like, I guess he's cynical, but I just, I thought that he didn't believe it soon he, enough or not, even not believe it, but just like interested, like, tell me more. Because um, here's the interesting thing, right? You, you said what saint means. Yeah. And in it is artificial intelligence, which is ridiculous because it, it's not real. They're not really doing very much artificial intelligence, but if we take it on its word on, on its face, then he already believes he's creating exactly. an intelligence. Exactly. And he's also like, you're just being tricked. Um, I did find it so clever and I was I really liked it where, you know, Johnny Five is like, no, don't disassemble me. You're going to kill me. 
um, and being like, that's not necessarily true, Johnny Five. Like, we can just keep your memory and you'll be fine. Like, we're going to shut yeah, you that, off. That and, like, never comes up. And right? I, I liked that. It doesn't come up, but like, I liked that when um, Gutenberg is like, okay, let's go. Like, I shut him down. We're fine. And be like, whoa. And then being like, yeah, I'll, it's okay. I know how to fix him. Actually, <laughs> like, you know what? Let's, let's back up. Okay, I'm going to have to bring in Star Trek The Next Generation. One of the best episodes ever called, um, what is it called? The Measure of a Man, right? And that's when a scientist from Starfleet wants to take apart Data, who is this unique android character, so they can understand how he was made so they can make more, which in the long run apparently is they're essentially going to end up with a slave race, but that's this whole other thing. Um, But he makes the point of like, oh, we'll be able to put you back together. But the brain part is the part that really becomes the problem. Because the, the brain, the way that, that his creator made his brain is the, was what they're trying to learn. So if they take apart the brain, even if you store the information somewhere, um, it might not actually be able to recreate him as him without, like there's something will be lost in that transfer, right? Like, so like the idea that you can take who you are outside of your brain and put it back in, will it really be you again? Right. Like what is life, right? Like yeah. this, this spark came from lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the input <clears throat> is maybe all still there, but like applying it and what the brain is doing with it to make a personality and all of that. Yeah. Um, and a yeah, conscious symbol to find out what the consciousness came from, then you know, I, I'm actually basically at this moment coming around to the fact that he actually is probably correct. We were thinking about taking apart his tank treads and all of that, but no, if you're pulling apart the brain, then yeah, we got a problem. Yeah, he was right. I think you're correct too. He's woke. He wants to stay woke. <laughs> stay woke. Uh, and he would have called out that brown face. I, well, I was going to also say the way that that uh, Steve Grotenberg becomes uh, convinced is a low-key uh, anti-Semitic joke. <laughs> Did you catch that, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it wasn't even that funny. Like, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this joke what I think it is? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't get it. I was like, huh? And then being like, oh, okay, now I do. No. It's <laughs> like, you guys. Uh, yeah. But you know, okay, so despite all of that, like all of the like problematic in the movie, going back to Ali Sheedy and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. he pushes her, he picks her up and he pushes her, but like he could beat the shit out of her and he doesn't. I thought that was in interesting. In another movie, he would have. Yeah. 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 In another movie, he would have. I, she would have been in a lot of trouble. Like that baseball bat ain't doing shit. So I, I, I don't want to get quoted on this, but in defense of Brownface. Uh-oh. You know, of course, I was looking up, uh, and this is where I got, um, what's his, uh, oh, Parks and Recreation, uh, Master of None. Why am I? Uh, Aziz Ansari? Uh, yeah. Aziz Ansari. Like, he's told this story multiple times that that this became his first, like, knowledge of brownface and how it really, like, hurt his feelings when he found out that this was a white guy who was pretending. Oh. Like, um. Oh. So, you know, I'm looking up brown face in this movie or whatever. But they made the good point that in this movie and in the sequel, he's actually, other than like the quirky voice and stuff, he's actually portrayed as positive. He's he's not like the nerdy Indian stereotype quite like um, in Big Bang Theory. He's interested in women. In the second movie, he gets the girl. You know, he's positive. He's confident. 
he's not played for a joke outside of he sounds funny. So it's interesting that they don't go with a whole like Long Dong Chong sort of situation or anything like that. And with that, is this movie influential? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Aside from Wally. Just, you know, any other sort of like AI comes alive and people try to save it. Like, I think it's, it's very foundational for a lot of people in our generation. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, War Games AI comes alive, but it's not quite like this is a, a, a individual like unit running around being your friend. I love the dancing. Like, she's like, yeah. it looks like he's just holding her and like twirling. Watching TV was great. Um, did I mention, like, it's funny, it's the same director because it's Saturday, Saturday Night Fever that he's watching on TV with John Travolta, who I haven't seen in a long time. We need to do one of those movies. Like, him, he was so face flexible. Off? He was so flexible. I want to see him dancing. Face Young John Travolta. <laughs> I um, want to take his face off. <laughs> it is a good movie. It is you classic. How, like, uh, I think it was like last summer they did a dramatic reading of that movie in like Brooklyn. I think uh, Terminator one that I keep bringing up. I think there's the reverse influence of um, E.T. on the design of this character. Um, I really loved it. Was influ- the second movie was influential on me. I really liked the the robot character, um, and maybe something like Echo. Didn't we watch a movie called Echo where there was a little like, robot? He was, he was an alien, right? Yeah. I love that component to it. She thinks he's an alien. It like, of course she does. And it makes sense that that's what she would think. And she thinks that a little, uh, there's a little man piloting or like a little alien is inside She's of it. Like, which yeah. I don't know where, because it, it's so skeletal at the top. So it must be at the base. But then that, make, that brings up to me um, Men in Black. Because yeah. isn't that what some of those aliens are piloting like people? Yeah. Well, and I loved that, like where her assumption is completely logical. Like it makes sense that this is what she would think. And like asking that question, but not only does she ask it, she's like, I'm sorry if this is offensive. I don't mean to be rude. She was, woke. but she like, like asking him like, what's in there. Uh, I just, it was so funny. And then, and then it turns out like, no, 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 it's a robot. And then she like immediately was like, Oh, yeah. I know those pesky defense yeah. people over there. Like she knows about that. And like, that also makes complete sense that this is what would be happening. Like, I love how they tie both of those things together in a realistic way for this world. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's really smart writing. Yeah. We also, she also mentioned that this takes place in our hood. So yeah. <laughs> she lives in Oregon and they are, uh, Nova is located in Washington. Mm-hmm across the borders from each other and then they drive out to montana so this is all taking place in this area i always thought that like we live in the sticks that we're not popular and i'm just like from when it comes to the 80s i'm just like i'm surprised that that was what i thought i think what shalia like misses up because that was her thought living in hawaii right and she didn't so she didn't realize how big grunge was and how that was like one of the major music centers um also, Boeing has been here for forever, which is one of the massive defense contractors, Microsoft, like Washington's Seattle area has been on the map for a long time. Which is, yeah, I expect people not to know when I say I'm from Washington, I expect them to not have heard of that state before. <laughs> we're, my, we're Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing. <laughs> like, to clarify, I do think people know where Seattle, like I think they recognize the 
the name Seattle, but I don't think that they know Washington as a state. Like if you say name all 50 states, I think they might not name Washington. <laughs> that might be one that they struggle with. Well, it's named after the first president, so I think people would get that one, actually. I don't know, because they might get confused with D.C. They get confused with D.C. a lot. So I would say one of my very favorite um, lines from Weird Al for his, his song called Smells Like Nirvana, which is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is where a rock band from Seattle will assure beats raising cattle. <laughs> I get it, but I don't. What's the cattle reference? That were out in the sticks. Yeah. Okay. Like that's the, the maybe the popular image. Yeah. And I mean, Kent, where I grew up, is basically right next to, to well, at least growing up, is right next to, to, to cow country. I mean, the, the, the middle school, the, the school I went to in seventh grade was right next to it. So, so going outside <laughs> on, on like warm spring days was really miserable. Like we smelled, we smelled the cows. Um, yeah, it's not far off, I suppose, but still. Uh, other influences? Um, that's it for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I honestly don't think it was that influential for me. But if, I, if it was one of those, like, early AI come alive, be your friend, like, that is extremely influential. So I will give it a plus on that. <laughs> Do you guys think this is a bit of a Frankenstein reference with the lightning and all that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, even though it was unintentional lightning. Yeah. It was a very dangerous knowledge situation mm. in my mind. Uh, okay. What's your favorite things about this movie? Johnny Five. Yeah. Johnny Five. Sure. Yeah. He's yeah. pretty great. I, I thought- kind of like that the military guy just wants to shoot things. Yeah. Blow stuff up all the time. That's his answer for everything. Like this is a, people say the, the term eleven million dollars a lot, but he's just like I'm gonna shoot this because nah. remember the guys, the guys who are charging it like don't mess this up or they're gonna take it out of your paycheck. Yeah, and it's like this military guy doesn't care if they take it out of his paycheck. Apparently, he's been, like still team six after this thing. It's like what are you doing? Um, which is also funny, right? Because he's not he's not in the military, so that's a funny like you know like the the jokes about like mall security guards are like. Once yeah. he can't make it, his cops are retired. Like so, it is also kind of funny in that sense. Especially because we just saw him as a kind of bumbling police, yeah, captain or whatever he was. What was he, a lieutenant? I don't know. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she I, just had a short circuit. <laughs> I, did. I had a short circuit. So <laughs> <a> system crash. <laughs> input input i remember okay so 11 million dollars they send one of the other saints to help them capture johnny five right Mm -hmm. and so drama scene big action scene in the end uh the military actually ends up killing what they think is johnny five blowing him up and they're like running around with the pieces the military the security force the security force (laughs) um and it turns out i i was like wait did they just blow up a different $11 million robot? Like I thought like the one that actually hadn't malfunctioned, I thought it was, he had reprogrammed the Saint one or number one. Uh, and So he sacrificed one of his own. Yeah. That's what I was like. Oh my that's God, this is very dark. And then, and then they make it clear. No, he just put together another one from random parts, which made me feel better. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, my favorite thing was Stephanie. I, I liked that she, again, on paper, Ali Sheedy was a bit irritating um, in playing it, but I liked all of the like animal loving. I thought that was really fun. And I liked having a character who's just down, like, come on, I'll take care of you. And like helping him out. And yeah, I appreciated that. She keeps assuming seeing Gutenberg is lying to her though. Like on multiple occasions, will not give him the benefit of the doubt that he does not always know what the security forces have chosen to do. I just, I didn't trust him very much either though. I uh, thought that was right. He wasn't being very forthcoming. And like, even if he was telling the truth, he needed to be, he needed to use his words a little bit more. Also, so they're moving in together. Do we think that relationship works? No. no. Don't know each other. Don't know each other. However, it's 40 acres. So they don't have to actually live together. Yeah. By the way, the the um, the subtitle of this episode that we're doing is going to be 40 acres and a robot. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it right now, sir. 40 acres and a robot. Like, did they could they not have picked any other number? <laughs> no. No, 40 acres. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One more thing. I really liked the beginning. I liked the opening credits because they were showing kind of like robots being put together and it was a fun way to be like, we can skip all of this. I don't understand it, but I thought it was probably fun for like the geeky, how does it work folks out there um, to like get into the movie and see like, I don't know, all those pieces. I have no idea if they're real, but I thought that was interesting. Um, Short Circuit, 1986. Is it a classic or are we past it? Oh, it's a classic. I'm past it. Which is ironic because we own this movie now. Yeah, I kind of bought it. It was $5. I mean, there was no rental option. But The brown face really bothers me. Yeah. Enough to be very close to saying we're past it. But I do think it's a classic because I don't think he's that big of a character. Like, I don't remember him even being in it. It's mm -hmm. Johnny Five. It's Stephanie. It's Goot. Mm -hmm. It's the paramilitary guy security it's the businessman that's who i remember even the evil boyfriend or the bad boyfriend ex-boyfriend the brown face really bothers me but i think i can like stretch my mind to like erase that part of it yeah the brown face just makes me cringe every time i start speaking i'm like Ugh. but here's the thing yeah. is that even though i'm saying i'm past it i'm feeling like if we were to do short circuit 2 i would say it's a classic i'd have to re-watch it Ooh, it's got a worse rotten tomato score yeah, but 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 that character, the Indian quote unquote Indian character, is like the main character outside of Johnny Five in that one, and that one I have a more positive memory of. So it's interesting that that's the reason you you would be past it. Yeah, I just I don't I don't like it. No sir. No sir. Wait, point to the sign, Julia. No sir, I no, don't sir, like I it. Don't like it. Uh, let's see if I like what we do next week. When, Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back.